Hello and welcome to this series that Fluency Security has put together known as Beers and Bites. This is our attempt to come out into an environment that is so formal and bring forward an informal approach to talking about those things of InfoSec importance, but also to have some beer along the way and enjoy ourselves. As we take a look at this series, we have two primary co-hosts. That is Chris Jordan from Fluency Security and then Jeremy Murdishaw from Fortify 24 by 7. And what you'll find throughout this series is that there will be many different discussion topics of interest to you. Some may or may not be, but that's okay. We hope that what you'll find is that these informal discussions are ways to provide you additional insights and value. With that, this first session in front of us, we will be talking about a cyber health check that has been put together as a combination of fluency and with Fortify, where we go out and provide a value-added service, hopefully different than what you're used to uh, in today's environments, and one that's more thorough and more competitive with what you have seen out there. In future series, you're gonna see things such as uh, threat intelligence committees that have just formed that are uh, nonprofit worldwide. You're gonna have discussions on new technologies, maybe around MITRE attack and how that can be implemented. So a lot of varied introductions uh, as we go forward, we will make those intros ahead of each and every one of those sessions that you will find available to you. Thank you. All right there, welcome ladies and gentlemen. What we are presenting here today is a new episode of Beer and Bites hosted by Chris Jordan of Fluency Security and Jeremy Murdishaw of Fortify 24 by 7. Our intention here today is not only to talk about cybersecurity, but it's also about showing you some of the more exotic IPA beers out there and we can also talk about those as well. So yes, we'll talk about your favorite subjects with cybersecurity, but by golly, we're also going to talk about our IPA beers. So with that, IPAs, but we do have IPAs. Let's start with that. And Chris and Jeremy, take it away. All right. So I'm out here in, uh, on the East Coast, close to uh, Loudoun County, Virginia, which is known for their beers. And uh, today I'm going to bring a Solace beer. I got the Partly cloudy. Look at that. Partly once it focuses. Beautiful can, 7.8% alcohol. It's a hazy IPA. I dig this stuff. I didn't I was gonna go with the the juicy Lucy. I'll bring that next week, I think. But uh mm. right now I'll do the, the solace with the partly cloudy. What you what you got, buddy? You have your bear bear honey? Your bees? I do. I've got my uh, duck foot uh drink this or the beers die. It's a golden honey ale. And it is delicious. Excellent. Not quite an IPA, but because of you know social distancing, the yeah. uh, liquor store and I haven't been with each other. Thanks to the success of uh, whatever we're doing. So normally we plan to bring somebody on to talk about uh, security, and we're going to keep on talking until we run out of our beers. Hence why I got a pint, um, and then hopefully it'll be longer than five minutes. And uh, it's going really well. It's going excellent. I like this beer. And so, uh, 
we're both longtime uh, security people, but obviously from uh, different backgrounds. So it'd be good to, to have a discussion. One of the things we want to discuss today, though, is actually a project from Jeremy. It makes it easy because we don't have to tear somebody out of their, their livelihood and sit down to talk to us. And we can uh, discuss something that we're working on and we're passionate about. So uh, Jeremy, you're doing something crazy. You're actually trying to change the way we do assessments. So we got this idea of a, a cyber healthcare or health health check, and it's both right. active analysis and passive analysis. In other words, you're going to be just doing more than a, a Nessus scan. Nothing wrong with Tenable and all the work that's been done out there, but um, right. trying to add something more to it than just uh, a scan and, and the results of the scan and getting rid of the false positives of the scan, right? Yeah, I think that the, the the intention of the cyber health check is really to take a, a a holistic approach to penetration testing, right? Not just focusing on what's happening on the outside, but also focusing on what's happening on the inside as a consequence of the attack that's happening. Really as a way to validate the financial investment that you've made in your security architecture um, is, is doing what it's expecting to do or that your MSP who's monitoring your security logs is, is seeing what they should be seeing. So uh, we've, we've partnered with Fluency to create this, this cyber health check to um, ingest all of the data that's happening on the inside of the network while the external pen testing is occurring. Um, that allows us to see if the security controls are, are, are flagging the activity that's happening, we're able to not only see what's happening as, as a consequence of what we're doing, but it's also looking to see if there's anything that's already happened or that's ongoing in the network during the pen test. And then lastly, it's also validating your security controls and procedures um, to make sure that that the operations teams or the people that are supposed to be looking for these things are actually seeing the events that they're supposed to. So that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's Ooh. a ton of stuff. So, so let's take a step back. So one of the things is this concept of like a security posture, right? So every company has a security posture and most CISOs love that security posture to prevent everything, right? So you have all these prevention tools, you would, you run a pen test, it fails, and they say, wow, I've got a wonderful posture, right? Now, obviously that never happens. Two reasons, a lot of one reasons is, is that when we do assessments nowadays, it's almost what they call like purple teaming, that you're, you're, you're not only just attacking from the outside, but you get to see the inside and you're scanning from the inside sure. too, with the general belief that even though the pen test team might know, not know the failure for the perimeter, the attacker might, or somebody might click on something, right? right? So. It, you could do social engineering stuff and everything like that. But in general, you're looking at, just like people say, hey, I'm gonna create multiple level defenses. You're looking at to see how those defenses react to the pen test and to the scan, right? right. And so it's not yeah, just it's, process, it's, not just product. Yeah, it, it, that's right. Yeah, and it's really more than just vulnerability scanning. It's active penetration testing against open ports, right? So things that should trigger um, should trigger a reaction by your defenses, right? Um, people are paying a ton of money for these products 
I think it's important that uh, we validate that these products are configured properly and um, that, their, that their investment is paying off. That's a great point. You know, I, I do have to say that when we go do a lot of installs, we just did an install for a company in Texas that does work with tractors and equipment. They had the alerts on, but that was it. And so when their alerts came in, they, they never looked at them. They just felt that if the system was alerting, it was, prevent, it was in prevention mode, they didn't have to look at anything, right? And so a lot of times, products can do a lot more than just, hey, I prevent, you know, I'm alerting and preventing, right? There's a lot more data in there than just that. There's also gaps, right? A lot of alerts don't tell you who the user is or what the device is. So you got to do a lot of, to see if you have the ability to chain that data back to the problem. Um, so I'm used to really the defensive part of it. Now, the pen test stuff, man, I'm old in the pen test stuff. I mean, I, I gave it, I don't even want to say the type of tools we used, but, but then of course, Metasploits come around and, and I kind of think like a lot of the assessment companies really don't have any intelligence in their assessment. They, they basically buy a high-end scanner and they scan it, right? Now, right. you're there competing against these people, these other companies in assessments. I mean, what do you see in the assessment world? Do you see the bread and butter guys that just scan it and are lowballing, or do you find pen testing is advanced beyond the scanners? I see a lot of both, actually. Right? You can probably uh, Google, I want a pen test for under a thousand bucks and get 20, 30 re uh, respondents, right? And they will all probably just do the exact same thing, either use an open source like OpenVAS to do an external vulnerability scan or maybe Acunetics or any of these products, right, that can do those things. Rapid7 has a couple of tools, you know, Tenable has some tools. <clears throat> But that's that's all you're going to get, right? Right. The, the 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 more expensive the pen test, I don't want to say the better it is, but I think you, in a sense, get what you pay for because when you when you want to actually validate that your defenses are are are, are operating properly and efficiently and, and and you're secure, you need to go just beyond. Here's an open port. Here's an OS enumeration. Here are some potential CVEs that you should be watching out for. You want someone to actively attack, but it's it's as without seeing how your systems are reacting to that attack, you don't know if even if this intruder, uh, let's say the pen tester doesn't get through, that doesn't mean that somebody else couldn't, right? But if you but if you're not seeing the results of that failed test in your logs, um, then you you won't know you won't actually know when someone does get through. Uh. Yeah, that's a great point. So that goes back to the cyber health check, right? So what you're really saying is, is, that, is that I can go through and do my scanning and my analysis, and I can say, hey, here's a list of my vulnerabilities. But then you have to say, you know what, from your security posture, what did your network do or see when the attacks were going on? How did the posture itself react to the attack, right? So were there processes in place that said, hey, when this alert went off, do this, like a playbook? or even just right. the people in general. How do the people in general respond? Now, I know a lot of companies, they'll do a pen test and they won't tell the MSSP a pen test is going on, right? That's right. Uh, their favorite thing to do. Sometimes it backfires and the poor MSSP is getting tons of alarms and they're freaking out and they're calling up. And other times they don't see it, obviously, right? But there's time well, yeah, we've had that experience. 
Yeah, but is it the fault of the MSSP? If they're not getting the alarms they need, is it because they didn't push the client to say, give me more data? Or why Why do you think that exists? Do you think it's because the MSSP is bad? Well, obviously there's some bad MSSPs out there, right? I'm not gonna say there aren't, but is some of it sure. just the fact that the client doesn't have enough data that's passed on to the MSSP that they have the ability to validate or analyze the data? It could be, it could be a number of things. It could be a misconfiguration. It could be a, a misprioritization of the alert within the system that is ingesting the event. It could be um, that they just, it's just flat out missed, right? It could be that some attackers already gone in there and suppressed something and they don't know that it's suppressed, right? right. Because they've been a persistent threat for a long time, right? And so they've already gone in and they've manipulated your Palo Alto configuration so you think you're actually sending logs, but you're not, right? Or you're, you're whatever. So yes. there's a number of reasons. They, you know, there could be that you're because of the, sometimes because of the expense of, of, of MSSP services or MDR services, or even SIM services, right? Mm -hmm. That you don't, you choose not to ingest all the data that you should be ingesting. You choose because of the cost to say, I'm only going to ingest these things here because compliance says I need to do that or uh, other CISOs are doing it this way, right? And that's how they're getting around the cost of SIM or the cost of MSSP. So it's an interesting point. So now you're bringing up cost, which obviously and early on I talked about, you know, I guess trying to decide what we're giving the MSSP, that's based upon cost. What do I have? How do I configure it? Do I have the money to configure it? So in general, you know, from a CISO's point of view, they need to make decisions based upon cost, right? And I'm gonna pay you to come and do a cyber healthcare check. So how is it economically beneficial? I mean, I kind of can figure it out, but maybe there's a softball question. How's it beneficial to do a healthcare check when I know the most more money I put into my defense, the better off I am? It's, it's the cyber health check isn't, <clears throat> It's intended, it, first of all, the output of the, of the, of the experience, out, the output of the cyber health check is a report. It is a top to bottom report that encompasses everything that was found during the vulnerability scan portion of the event to the, the pen testing portion, plus all of the data that's been collected over a 30 day period of time from your internal devices. Mm -hmm. All of those logs, your AD logs, your 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 Linux logs, your server logs, your routers and switches, all that data is gonna be ingested in. And you're gonna get the output of all of that in a comprehensive report that outlines these are your potential risks. Uh, these are active threats or these are things that are actively occurring. These are your potentials. These are where you need and the things that you need to fix in order to remediate uh, the things that were found. Okay, right? so you get done with it. You find all these things, you give recommendations. I would say since I paid money to do it, I'm gonna turn around to my group, my SOC or my NOC group, and I'm gonna say, here's a list of the things they found. Let's pound them out, let's correct them. Are you gonna come back and do right. it again like six months from now, a year from now? What do you recommend they do? So let's say I, I try to fix these things up. I turn to you, I don't sure. really want you to be as involved with fixing them because I'm gonna to turn to you and try to find problems later on, right? Right. So, so I mean, what's the best way of looking at this? What can I, what, what, what I should I do? Should I, next, my next steps are what? 
So actually after the report's delivered? Yeah. Your next step would obviously be to fix them. And if you have an internal team, use your internal team to fix them, use your MSSP or MSP partner to fix the, the things that need to be fixed. But I would agree with you. I don't think Fortify you know, should be the, the person to fix the problems. Because if we're gonna be the assessor, yeah. we wanna recuse ourselves from doing the remediation, right? So um, we definitely need to find a remediation partner. Um, but the, we recommend assessments for all businesses at least once a year. Mm -hmm. um, obviously there are, are, are entities that are governed by uh, regulatory uh, uh, things like, like HIPAA and SOX and, and, and so on. And those, they have a different assessment requirement. PCI yeah, yeah, has yeah. a different assessment requirement. It's an assessment requirement against requirements, right? So you go in there and you say, here's my requirements. And it's really an analysis of do your processes support requirements themselves, right? But from a, and, and it's a best practice kind of approach. I mean, I remember early on in the early days of security, for me, early days, like 91, 92, was the argument was if I gave you a checklist, your security would become that checklist. And there's a huge fear that would become a checklist oriented type of process. So instead of us going through frameworks and analysis, that you, all you care about is the checklist. And to tell you the truth, that fear still exists today. There's two camps out there of CISOs. CISOs that say, here's my HIPAA, here's my PCI, I'm gonna buy Cisco and I'm gonna buy you know, McAfee and I'm gonna buy the top known brands, and then I'm just gonna drink and party my ass off because there's nothing else I need to do, right? And there's another right. group of people that I guess are more geekish that are ivory tower. And they say, I'm gonna work on this, I'm gonna work on this, and, and they're gonna take as much money as they can to secure it because they're focused on security, right? right. And, and, and the big fear from the upper level management is, well, if I get that kind of guy, I'm gonna be spending more money than I need, right? Because I. One of the things right. I tell my, my people is, is that security is a leaky boat. All I care about is crossing the river. I don't really care. As long as I don't sink, I don't care how much what water's in my boat, right? I mean, it, it, economically, I just want to make sure I can do business because in the end all, security is to allow me to do business, right? That's true. But I think there's, that's a dangerous uh, thought process to, right. to allow there to be a leaky boat, right? Well, to allow it, but to a big extent, right? But do I really want to buy another thing, another thing, another thing, right? Um, and it's 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 a it's an argument of interest. I think that at least there has to be a low bar, and I have to say, hey, this is what I'm doing, and I know sure not only best practice, it's good, right? But you, you your big fear from management is you really need to spend that money, right? You know, it's like oh, that's a lot of money. I'll give you a good example. You brought up MDR, and it, it, that's a very awesome term right, manage detection and response. That's cutting edge, right? It's hot as could be in the, in the venture capital world. But it's kind of an interesting twist, right? Is that, well, isn't MSSP good enough, right? I kind of like MDR because MDR talks about less of a, a facility infrastructure, more of an endpoint security kind of view of the world, right? Where you say, right. I'm gonna recover that machine. You've got three basic products out there. And I don't mean to belittle silence and, and crowd CrowdStrike, but you've basically got um, Cyber Reason, I got the owl on my head, right? Cyber Reason, Carbon <laughs> Black, and Sentinel-1, right? Those are the big three on the EDR space. The, the 
event detection response or endpoint detection response, depending on who you talk to, uh, platforms versus the traditional EPP, which is the pure prevention guys, the endpoint protection. And, and you know which product you have because I can bring up uh, interaction with my endpoint from, a, from an admin point of view and recover that box remotely. And I, if I can't do that, I can't be an MDR because I can't, I can't do the R. Right. That's right. And that's, and that's unfortunately where a number of the endpoint products fall down, right? As you said, Silence is a great product. It has a great um, uh, ED, it has a great ED tool yeah. and it, with some R capabilities, but it doesn't have that remote login repair. Good. Listen, it just has a, a number job. of reactive things. Yeah. Yeah, Stu did a great job. And I remember when, when George came out with, with CrowdStrike, you know, uh, it, it was awesome because all of a sudden now that person could be at a coffee shop and I was getting my alerts in the events, right? Silence went down the, the whole thing about you being on my segment to get your my data from you is gone, right? With these cloud-oriented capabilities. And let's mm -hmm. go back to the cyber health check because I think it's kind of, I'm trying to mentally tie this back into it is that this is a good example of when I did my pen test and I ran this, right? A cyber healthcare check actually has to care about my mobile devices, my IoT, my cloud services, right? That's Not right. just a facility. And I think the days of facility security is absolutely gone between with the virus out right now, between stay home workers. Right. And right. with SD WAN, which, you know, we're working with, with uh, West Networks and, and with SD WAN with Peplink. And, and what a industry that really needs vision. Right. Because you have now you're talking about split tunneling and scattering of data. And you're trying to, you, your job is freaking wrangling cats. I mean, you're wrangling mice at this point. I mean, cats are nice compared right. to what you deal with, with SD WAN. Right. But it's a solution everybody's adopting because they have to, because the cost of traditional telco is so expensive. So how do, that, how do you deal with that before you go too far? How do you deal with how do you deal with the new architectures in the assessment? Like if 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 you have mobile and you have uh, remote offices and you have cloud services, is that inside the assessment of the cyber healthcare? It is. Um, however, there's going to be there's a but there, right? Yeah, Whatever it is, Amazon will not let you to... hack them. I can give you a story with the US government. <laughs> the they do not let you evaluate their security. Just they give you the exactly. stock two type two and say live with it. But they don't want you to they don't want you to burst their bubble and let them know how many faults they have between their containers. Yeah. Right. In fact, even when we're doing the test the assessment, we have to the customer has to let Amazon or GCP or AWS know, or Azure not notify them that there's going to be a test going on so that they don't actually start blocking our traffic, which ironically is coming from <laughs> Amazon and Azure, right? So the, the issue is, is that we need to be able to get log data out of the, the devices in these different fields, right? So if that is, let's say you're running an endpoint like Checkpoint uh, Sandblast Mobile, right? On your yeah. end, mobile endpoint devices, then we can get syslog data or CEF data from there. Um, if you have an MDM, we can get the data from the MDM and bring it into the assessment. Um, if you have cloud servers, we can put a device, we can put a, uh, a logger agent on and pull out the event log data 
from that machine. If you have cloud Linux servers, obviously we configure syslog or syslogd to send the data to the assessment. Yeah, so, that's uh, what, you're doing. So, so what you're doing right now is, I mean, you're going back to like our bread and butter, right? Collect everything. So right now what you're talking about is, is you can do a chain of evidence analysis without necessarily performing an attack, right? So you can go back and say, just based upon normal noise of the internet, can I see all your assets? Are your assets all talking right. to me? Can I analyze who owns that asset or who owns that process, right? Which is a big jump. That's right. right? Yeah. All right, I'm getting near my end of my beer. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm too quick of a drinker for you. Are you done already? Hey, I'm, I've got about uh, two fingers. There, there you go. Two fingers is good. So we're gonna have to like we're gonna have one day we're gonna have a show we're gonna say I'm gonna have to get another beer. This lockdown That's is killing me. I have to tell you like, you know how hard it is to find decent beer when they shut all the stores down. I mean, it, yes. That and toilet paper. I was really lucky. Yeah. Yeah, toilet paper I still haven't found, but I was really lucky the uh, the Sunday before they shut California down basically. Yeah. Um, I was able, my wife and I were able to go meet up with my uh, with her brother and sister in law at the uh, Wolf not Wolf Creek um, Stone Brewery in Pasadena. Oh, so you like so movies, we got movie lines, fear movie lines. I'm a big you know me. This is the I had the I moved away from my fears movie line just so you wouldn't make insult you know insult me on it again. So. <laughs> I know I like it. <laughs> I like Stone. I just. Some of their like like arrogant bastard, and that's just a little too uh, aggressively hoppy for me. I like the yeah, hazy, I like the hazy. It's sweeter. I like the juicier, hazier stuff lately. The double IPAs, they're, they're you know. Yeah, I like the hazy IPAs. IPAs. So, but I don't yeah. really. Think next, for our next show, I'm gonna definitely have a, a hazy for for uh, to, to show you. I told you I'm gonna get you some sweet baby Jesus. Get you that peanut butter chocolate malt. <laughs> They got up here at the, oh. the claw up in up in Baltimore. I mean, we, we we have some people that I think drank a little too much when they decided to come up with the next flavor of their beer. <laughs> have you ever had the uh, Samuel Smith's uh, oatmeal stout? Love it! Oh my God, the Imperial that, Oatmeal that is, that is pretty good. Yeah, it's Samuel Smith. I was going to say, I was yeah, Samuel Smith one is that's that's it's delicious too. That was my first introduction into a real beer, and I'm like, okay. I just can't afford that at the time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so to kind of wrap up, ah, here comes Al. He's back. I forget about Al. I was <laughs> going to try to wrap it up, Al, but but since you're going to be the referee on this one, so so did well, we cover I, any I, points I, that are worth it for a person that would actually have to sit through all this crap? I, I would say that that was a great discussion today, guys, and, and okay. not only about cyber uh, health checks, right, but also about the beer. So as we look at uh, the benefit of wait wait show your beer show me how low we go at this place no you can't even see her there you go a Bud Light oh. a Bud Light Bud Light some of us have similar <clears throat> that reminds me of the old Guinness joke about Mr Coors and Mr Anheuser going to Ireland and they meet they meet the the owners of of uh, of Guinness over there and they're and of course, Anheuser he orders a, a Bud, and Coors orders a Coors. But Mr. Guinness he orders a water, and they're like, "What are you doing? I'm getting a water." 
Because well, if you're going to drink water, I'm going to drink water. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Al. Yeah. See, Al, would, Al, would, Al would get that, but he doesn't know what Guinness is. I do know what Guinness is. I was in the Navy. So, and by the way, I saw a great BuzzFeed or Twitter posting where they everybody took pictures of like the their beer stock, and there's all the Corona left over. And somebody over yes. in Denmark took a picture, and all the Denmark beers there, and the Corona's missing. He goes, "We have a dark sense of humor here." There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen, we oh, covered man. a lot of ground with this cyber health tech. All right, all right, you can cut us out now. You know, one of the things that's important as companies are out there working feverishly and overtime at their employees on a remote uh, basis, right, to help the yeah. stay-at-home orders and, and get this COVID-19 under control, it's important to note that a lot of their behaviors that are in their personal life will tend to stay in place using business assets and business networks. And that exposure alone is very, very critical for companies to consider. And that's why things like True. the cyber health check is so important. Yeah, I, you know, personally, I mean, I love, love the idea when Jeremy pitched it to me. I mean, I, I just think that every assessment I've ever seen has been, can I get in, can I scan? You know, uh, I don't even know the Black Hills guys, but I think that when I heard them speak about every assessment's a threat hunt, you know, that they would go in there and threat hunt and find problems just in the data alone. I agree with them 100%. I think that yeah. that there's so much to learn from a customer's data and to hire an assessment group to go in there and create more data without looking at their own, what's, what's happening on their own network. It's crazy, right? I, I can't tell yeah. you how many people who do professional threat huntings, and, and I don't want to throw it, but there was a medical place up in, in Dallas area that we did a, a response to we did two major hospitals in Dallas, but one we walked in there and they had a, a piece of ransomware that was changing, encrypting all the files. And we found one botnet after another botnet. We found three botnets in the hospital before we finally got to the one that was changing and cryptoing up their files. And, and wow. my point is, is that when you do these threat hunting assessments, so you use type, type of healthcare checks and you're actually looking at the raw data you'd be blown away how many problems you see. I mean, Al's, when he does our stuff, I mean, we're walking through it. Granted, we don't find, you know, botnet after botnet, but we definitely find bad behavior and things that just should have been blocked all the time, right? right? That you just see the writing on the wall that, that just wait for somebody guy to get something and click it. And we just talked to one customer that they thankfully had one guy call up and say, hey, is this person supposed to send me an email? And they validated and said, oh, my God, no, that the email was literally that person's account was spoofed and they're about to start writing yep. checks. So, oh, yeah. so, Jeremy, that, any final that, that impersonation fraud. Uh, and just to, point, to say what to touch on what Chris was saying is that impersonation is absolutely huge right now, especially with COVID-19, yeah. because the uh, the there. I belong to a cyber threat intelligence community that's specifically focused on on COVID-19 and be providing free response services to the entire healthcare community across the planet. So companies from Microsoft and, and Google and all, all the security companies and, and are, are joined together 
to pull response together. And impersonation is a huge aspect of what's happening right now. Yeah, and know, we, 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 people need to be very village, vigilant when they're looking right. at the emails, especially people who are working from home now. Right. The one, I, I got some ideas of people who pulled, and I think maybe Sloppy can bring them. So the, the latest example that I've seen to your point, uh, Jeremy, is that with this fear that everybody has to get an email in your reader that says you were in contact with an individual who has tested positive, click here. What's the average yes. person going to do? That's 100% an example click. some of the latest. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's funny. I think now you get into social engineering. That's the reason why I thought of Slobby's buddy is that, listen, I mean, we used to joke around in the government all the time. If you sent an RFP, a request for a proposal, to any sales guy, and they, come on, they're going to click it. That's money. That's their job. Absolutely. Right? So there is definitely, listen, we can go, we, now i got to figure out who we're going to talk to next because there's a lot that can be talked about this. And, uh, most of those people have really good stories, but that that will be a two beer time where we're just going to sit back and drink and listen. I think. Um, all right, Al, wrap me up, bring bring me home, baby. All right, listen. Uh, we appreciate everybody dialing in for this brand new episode of Beer and Chips, and we are looking forward to beer and <laughs> our next episode. Wax, wax beer and candles, beers and dice. <laughs> all right, right. our beer. We want to thank everybody for dialing in to this Beer and Bites episode, and we look forward to the next episode that will talk more in depth about this social engineering. Awesome. And we promise the next one will be better, and, uh, uh, more no. professional. We're going to get worse and worse. I, I like that. Now we, now we just the have bigger to go, beers. go find the guinea pig for the Chris and Jeremy show. Yeah, we got to go. We got to go find someone who wants to talk to us, which could be hard. Mine's empty. Mine's what did you think? This show is this show is not sponsored by Duckfoot, but I am promoting their beer because it's delicious. I'm there going to go. around with Solace, even though I'm a Banish drinker. Um, Banish, I got to get my hands on some Ghost Fleet, but COVID-19 is really putting a damper on me getting out there. But maybe I'll risk a ticket and get, and get out there. All right. Well, that's a wrap. So <laughs>